Hello, good afternoon, and welcome. It's Tuesday, the 17th of September, 2019, and we're off to a late start. But today, the 2020s are going to sound an awful lot like the 1920s. Are autonomous vehicles destined to fail, says industry experts, and there's a new 3D LiDAR system which can tell the difference between a plastic mannequin and real human skin. All this, right now. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. All right, so to kick things off today, it occurred to me that in many respects, the 2020s are going to sound an awful lot like the 1920s. No, I don't mean that we're going to have some incredibly awesome resurgence in swing music. Although I say that, I did discover by chance a really fantastic electro swing group on Pandora called uh, Caravan Palace. It's sort of the electro swing um, alternative to Gotan Project, the electro tango group. Um, But anyway, besides that, um, yeah, I think in many respects, the 2020s are going to really kind of mirror the societal concerns, trepidation, fear, and so on with this new era of autonomous vehicles that we really have seen time and again well, for the past hundred years, first with the, the automobile, then the airplane, and arguably what was really the first autonomous vehicle ever, if you at least take the broadest definitions of autonomous vehicle, namely the elevator, right? I mean, it's basically a thing which conveys you from A to B, in this case vertically, effectively autonomously, and it is a vehicle, right? Um, but yeah, in the same way that people were really concerned and really uncomfortable with the idea of, well, any of these new forms of transportation, that is exactly the sort of stuff that we're seeing now. And this idea got to me just, you know, I was reading yet again another article on a recent study, something about how, okay, Americans would rather drive themselves than have autonomous vehicles drive them. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and kind of related to this, there was a recent interview with uh, Kevin Delaney, he's the editor-in-chief, and the co-CEO of Quartz, um, he described that when it comes to autonomous vehicles, we're heading towards hell. Right? And so I, I can't help but kind of chuckle because this really does sound a lot like all the things we, you know, we've read that sort of happened in the past, right? So even if you look at something like the the radio, right? So so the radio was apparently some really sort of just very deeply concerning, f- fantastic new technology that was brought to the car. Okay, I'm saying that a bit ridiculously okay obviously the radio wasn't a fantastic new technology but the idea of inserting a radio into a car was said to be very very dangerous a very kind of scary thing it was going to distract drivers and cause just terrible accidents all over the place um and and, you know so hearing people talk about yet another new technology in this case autonomous cars it's just it's kind of funny right i mean so okay so let's let's look at this study that was recently conducted i'm not going to do a super deep dive into it but i do want to touch on the societal implications um, so, okay, the idea was that obviously time is money. And so the, the question becomes how much would, you know, what, what dollar value can be assigned to the value of somebody's trip? And, and essentially, 
uh, it came down to, okay, somebody, um, you, you know, so, so basically the way it's defined is that if somebody uh, values their trip at $15 per hour, then that means they dislike an hour spent traveling as much as they dislike giving up $15 earned. So in other words, the lower the dollar value, then the more preferable that mode of transportation is. So for instance, ride hailing services scored $21 an hour and driving on your own scored $25 an hour. In other words, um, spending one hour in a, say an Uber or a Lyft would be the same as giving up $21 that you could have earned driving yourself $25. Um, so once, however, respondents were told they could multitask during the ride sharing option, they could get other things done in the car. They're like, oh, yes, aha, I can do other things in the car. Well, this then decreased um, the perceived cost of travel down to just $13 an hour. This doesn't sound very surprising at all, right? But then, but then it turned out that the option for being driven autonomously, so if you were in a ride sharing vehicle that was autonomous, fully autonomous, so no driver at all, um, well, then suddenly the, the cost jumped to $28 an hour. Uh, and this just go, goes to show that, that, you know, people are really just not comfortable yet with the idea of autonomous vehicles. Um, first of all, I mean, so, so there's two ways that we can look at this, right? So the first way is, well, yeah, no kidding. I mean, first, there aren't any true autonomous vehicles on the road yet. And apart from, first of all, very tightly geofenced applications, which will still have human backup drivers. And even further in the future, say a minimum of five, five years and perhaps even 10 years when we start to finally get true level five vehicles or at least more broadly geofenced vehicles, which will still, mind you, have backup human drivers, you know, this is a long way out. So you can't, you just, you can't expect people to be okay with this stuff yet. I mean, to, to, to bring this analogy a bit closer to home, it's a bit like aviation, right? So I wonder, and I th I'm sure I've mentioned this in the past at some point or another, I wonder how many people who are, well, I wonder how many people who fly on airplanes but who are not frequent travelers or engineers or are otherwise educated on aviation and air travel generally, I wonder how many actually realize the extent to which, say, aircraft are essentially flying on autopilot from the moment the plane takes off to before it lands, and more tellingly, how many people actually know that some aircraft in some conditions at some airports are able to land themselves fully, like fully land in zero visibility conditions at zero altitude to the extent even that they can automatically taxi off the runway. Indeed, even the braking is automatic to ensure they target the correct exit ramp, the, the, the correct taxiway ramp, right? But my point is, is that most people don't know these things. Um, and this is why some people, okay, maybe many people, a lot of people are indeed scared of air travel still. Again, never mind that it's the safest place you can be on the globe. Uh, certainly the safest form of transportation. And and so, of course, it's this way with autonomous vehicles. And and so, to, to me, though, to, to kind of spend time and money and research on these sorts of questions, I, I mean, research is research and it's all good and well. I, I just, it's not a newsworthy thing, and yet here I am talking about it. But I'm talking about it precisely because I'm hoping to, to kind of encourage people to frankly, turn a blind eye to these things. I, I know that the vast majority of listeners on this podcast are in the industry. So I get that you're probably, you're probably with me on this with what I'm saying. But on the off chance that some of you are not so familiar with the industry, with the technology and where things are headed, I would really encourage you 
as gently as I can to, yeah, just kind of, kind of ignore these kinds of stories because they just don't really matter. And just imagine a time a hundred years ago where people had the same sorts of concerns and fears about, well, yeah, cars generally. I mean, there's a reason why the first automobiles were, well, I was going to say why they were called, but that why they were even by design, literally horseless carriages because they, somebody just took a carriage from a horse drawn cart and they stuffed a motor into it and put a, and they replaced the, 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 the guy who would ordinarily be in charge of the, the horse. And now he was suddenly in charge of, of, of driving this motorized vehicle down the road. Um, and this was for two reasons, right? So, so one reason was because nobody had yet really figured out the form in which these things, you know, what form they should take. And secondly, well, this was the thing that people were most familiar with. And so it kind of made sense to just kind of do it that way. But, but this is exactly where things are going with autonomous cars. Of course, people are going to price these things higher in terms of time spent behind the wheel, which is super ironic when you think about it, since the end game, of course, is that these are going to be costing pennies per minute. I'm sorry, pennies per uh, passenger mile uh, versus the many, you know, many, many dollars currently per passenger mile for ride sharing generally and and passenger or driver owned cars. So so this is like kind of uh, it's a very ironic conclusion to reach. On the other hand, it makes perfectly good sense. So, you know, when so, so going back to this uh, interview then with with uh, uh, Kevin Delaney, the editor-in-chief, CEO of Quartz. Um, you know, so he makes a really good point addressing the issue of traffic, right? So, so of course, traffic is going to increase. And he talks about the need to establish so-called good paths for autonomous vehicles. Um, one of them we've talked about a lot, and he's right. We need to introduce autonomous vehicles in waves. You start with the really low-risk applications uh, like buses and basically really ch- tightly geofenced areas, of course. Um and and the other thing that he talks about is, of course, his need for carpooling. We've also talked about this a lot, right? But but the thing that he touches on that made me most excited to hear it that, frankly, I think is not touched on so much, at least not outside of strictly law and policy type discussions, is, well, precisely that, that there needs to be a lot more guidance coming out of Washington. He says there's just not enough. And this is a lot like uh, this is like a lot of other areas of policy and politics where our lawmakers are struggling and our current administration is actually struggling to take the lead here. And so what we're seeing is that it's actually the car makers and the tech companies who are involved in this area themselves, who are pooling data and who are starting to collaborate a lot more on some of the safety things that need to be done. He concludes by saying he thinks it's in all of our interests that our governments actually get more involved and get in front of this. Now, this sounds familiar. Well, that's good. You've been hearing a lot of my episodes lately where I finally kind of made it a lot more official and I discussed quite explicitly my need and my proposal for a federal autonomous vehicle administration. I'm not going to get into that again now, but but this all kind of goes to show that, you know, this is really early days and of course there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. Of course there's going to be a lot of unknowns. And of course, frankly, there's going to be not enough guidance, but that is where things need to go. And that is what needs to happen in due time, hopefully sooner rather than later. And, you know, let's just kind of take it easy, you know, um, kind of go with the flow. Um, let's be hopeful and enthusiastic for where things are headed. And um, let's just hope that regulation does the right thing and that it doesn't impede the development, the testing, and the deployment of autonomous vehicles, but rather that it does help to expedite it because we need it. 
We need it for the safety of our roads. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Well, speaking of issues about safety of autonomous vehicles, I am going to kind of do a thing I don't do too often. I'm really going to call somebody out here uh, because and in his defense, I am hoping I'm assuming this is taken somewhat out of context, but I don't see how it can be. Uh, there's a report coming out of Boston that a safety expert uh, by the name of Sean Kane, Safety Research and Strategies, Inc. Well, he's pretty disappointed, uh, to put it lightly, uh, with respect to, well, you know, claims about supposed self-driving and autonomous vehicles generally, which, of course, don't even exist yet. And he's really calling out on Tesla and Elon Musk here. Um, his point is that we've, you know, he said we're following a very poor model, one that is destined to fail. Uh, his complaint is that, well, Elon and Tesla claiming that they have full self-driving hardware and uh, this guy, Kane, he's arguing that Tesla and other car companies have created a false sense of security because their cars are, of course, not autonomous. He goes on and on and on. The whole issue of like if a vehicle stopped in the road in front of you and this, that, the other, then it's going to crash into it. Of course, there's this mention of, you know, the other day, another uh, example, another video of somebody falling asleep at the wheel of of their Tesla. Putting aside for a moment the fact that these are all probably hoaxed, uh, hoaxes and staged, you know, I, I have to state the kind of obvious irony of all this, right? Which is that even if these things weren't staged, even if the driver of the Tesla actually fell asleep at the wheel, um, yeah, I agree. And I actually have admitted in the past that it is pretty easy to fall asleep at the wheel of a Tesla. Well, if it were any other car, the driver and possibly other drivers around would likely be dead or seriously injured. I mean, falling asleep at the wheel is not a particularly unusual thing. Granted, it's, and again, I'll admit this, it's probably more easy to let yourself fall asleep at the wheel of a Tesla. Um, but at least you're less likely to die than if you had fallen asleep at the wheel at a regular car. Right. So this just kind of this just kind of segues out of the prior segment that we just did. Right. Where there's just this ridiculously ongoing sort of absurdly frantic discussion about, oh, these things are dangerous and these things are unsafe. And, oh, people are falling asleep at the wheel and blah, blah, blah. I don't know how I can, like, make this more clear to everybody that we're at a really like this is the most elementary phase of arguably the most challenging bit of technology that we've undertaken since well i i guess probably since going to the moon um you know as i've said a few times in the past the expression has always been oh so and so you know such and such is not rocket science well now it's going to be such and such is not autonomous cars i think by in many ways i think that the the science the technology the physics the engineering that goes into autonomous car development is frankly a rather more complicated thing than rocket science um, I mean, I've studied enough physics to know a thing or two about what goes into uh, rockets generally and even a little bit of orbital mechanics that I've read. And, and okay, it's complicated stuff to be sure. And, yeah, getting getting to the moon, getting getting to Mars is, is, is astonishing. Um, although, as Neil deGrasse Tyson said just the other day on a conversation with Joe Rogan, 
you know, Joe kept pushing him to, to, to kind of really understand what is gravity? Like, what is it actually? And Neil deGrasse Tyson's frustration came from the fact that, look, we, this is the best we can do to explain it. Joe kept saying, well, that's not good enough. Can you keep going deeper? Why, why, why? And what, what, what? And, and Neil deGrasse Tyson's final point was, look, if we understand gravity sufficiently well that we can land spacecraft on Mars, then I'm okay with that. That's a good enough description. That's a good enough definition. Um, and and that's a really good point because at the end of the day, if you can define a thing well enough and you can explain it well enough and you can repeatedly work with it well enough that you can do all of the things with it that you want to do, then yeah, you've probably sufficiently understood it and learned it. Um, and if you look at the state of the, the state of the art with autonomous vehicles, that is decidedly not the case. We're nowhere near getting to where we can do everything. I mean, we're, you know, things are being invented practically every other day to kind of get things right. Um, and as we're going to talk about in just a moment in the next segment, um, you know, there's yet another example of a new uh, LiDAR company coming out um, to, to, to solve a whole new slew of issues. Um, and I think that's kind of the big takeaway that if, that of course, there's going to be uncertainty and and nobody knows where things are going. But but this is like the earliest time, the earliest days, right? And so I, I just think it's super counterproductive, extremely counterproductive to constantly be saying, oh, it's dangerous. No, we don't know how to do this, that, the other. And frankly, who cares? <laughs> if we took that approach with every new amazing technology, we wouldn't be where we are today. I don't know where things changed that we got so scared of everything. Um, so let's just kind of embrace it and... Um, yeah, as I just mentioned a moment ago, let's let's really get behind the idea of getting fast-tracked uh, regulation and guidance to to kind of expedite everything rather than impede them. This is the most important thing we can all do, I think. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, well, so to round things out today, then, as I mentioned, a quick discussion on a new LiDAR company. Uh, I never heard of this one before, so if you have or if anyone listening here is at the company or knows anyone there, I'd certainly love to chat with you. Um, so the company name is Outsight. So it's it's a LiDAR, it's a new LiDAR rig that they call it a 3D semantic camera. And if it could do what it claims to do, well, that's a pretty good way to describe it. So... Interestingly, first of all, a bit about Outside. It turns out that they are a new company co-founded by the former WeThings CEO, Cedric Hutchings. WeThings, of course, uh, became famous. They made all those smart scales and smart blood pressure meters and things. Um, actually had one of those scales. Uh, they were then bought, if I'm not mistaken, by Nokia, I think. Uh, and in any event, um, so their CEO then has gone on to create this, or to co-found this company, Outside. And so I guess they got, they've got this new thing now. Again, it's called 3D Semantic Camera. And the idea is that it's using low-power shortwave infrared lasers. So so actually, now that I say this, I misspoke. Strictly speaking, this is not LiDAR at all. Well, yeah, it's not. Uh, yeah, strictly speaking, it's not LiDAR. Um, but, but the idea here then is it can, it can scan hundreds 
rather than tens of meters ahead of, of the vehicle like LiDAR does. So the, the point that they're trying to solve here, the thing they're trying to get at is that they want to be able not only to see an object, whether in 2D or 3D, frankly, but that they want to really understand what it is. Like, for instance, um, right now, if I think just about any autonomous vehicle tech, whether it's LiDAR or computers uh, or Tesla's computer vision uh, camera system, I think any device today, if it sees, say, a person on the road in front of it, it cannot tell whether it's just a plastic mannequin or whether it's a flesh and blood human. Well, the idea here is that this thing actually will be able to tell the difference. It'll be able to recognize, for instance, different materials like ice, so ice on the road, uh, cloth, skin, that kind of thing, right? So this is pretty amazing uh, if it's true. Um, and, and so just thinking about the application where it can see ice on the road, well, this probably goes without saying, but imagine you've got a turn in the road up ahead, which ordinarily can be negotiated at, say, 35 miles per hour. What is that, 50-ish kilometers an hour? Um, no, 70 kilometers an hour, I guess. Um, so, so imagine that you see a patch of ice on the road uh, and, and now the vehicle can see that patch of ice and so it'll slow down in advance of the turn so it doesn't go flying off the road. So this is a particularly incredible thing if it actually works. Um, so, so apparently, yeah, it, it's also really good at detecting things like parked cars, traffic lights, and vegetation in real time. I, I should say that's a particularly important one there because... I don't suppose you remember quite a while back, I had I'd sort of taken you on a drive, uh, explaining to you my experience with the then recent updates to Tesla's autopilot. And I was in pretty stop and go traffic on some really, really heavily trafficked uh, street in San Francisco. And well, without any warning whatsoever, the Tesla suddenly just slammed on the brakes and the car behind me nearly crashed into me. And I realized what it, what it was, was that the Tesla had seen some foliage from the center median and, of course, thought it was something impeding the, the car's progress and so wanted to slam on the brakes to prevent from hitting and crashing anything, which was certainly an admirable effort. I mean, thanks, I, I think. But on the flip side, joking aside, no, that was, you know, a really bad call. I mean, that's the sort of false positives that, that we always talk about, right? So the point being that, that this sort of a system then, if indeed it works would have recognized, presumably, that that this was just a bit of foliage, some plants, and that, of course, it shouldn't have to uh, slam on the brakes. So let's talk a little bit more about how OutSight's sensors do their magic. Um, so in this case, apparently it uses something called 3D SLAM. It stands for Simultaneous Location and Mapping. It's a system on a chip which effectively... Uh, can do everything on the vehicle in the sensors. So what it can do then is by using the extra range of the sensors, it can build a picture of its environment and this can all be done in real time. And so it doesn't need to actually store anything uh, in some massive database. So put another way, uh, as the company says, uh, the system provides the position, the size, and the full velocity of all moving objects in its surroundings, providing valuable information for path planning and decision-making. So this all sounds pretty good and well. Um, I'm genuinely curious to learn more. So again, if anybody is at the company listening to this or if anybody out there can make any intros to folks at Outsight, please do let me know. I'd love to chat with you. All right, well, that is a wrap for today. 
Thank you so much for listening. As a reminder, if you'd like to advertise with me, you can certainly do so through the Anchor.fm platform, or you can reach out to me directly and advertise with me. I can work with you on your uh, ad copy, and we can update it and revise it each and every episode recording that I do. Don't forget to follow me on all social media at Autonomous Hogue. That's A-U-T-O-N-O-M-O-U-S-H-O-A-G. And of course, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, head on over to markhogue.com. Click the link in the top right corner to submit a form. I'll give it a read, and if it's a good fit, I will be reaching out as soon as I can. Thanks so much again for listening. See you back here on Friday. Bye-bye.